And I appreciate the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 7, if you're able to stand with us tonight, we'll be brief in the message. I just want to give you a thought uh, that the Lord put on our heart this afternoon. I pray that God will use it to be a help to us. 2 Kings 7 and verse number 3. The Bible says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost parts of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horsemen, even even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses and even the camp as it was and fled for their life. And when these leopards came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another and carried thence also and went and hid it. And they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents, and they were, and he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word tonight. I pray that you'll touch us and help us and give us liberty these next few moments. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach on this subject tonight on we've got nothing to lose. Amen. We've got nothing to lose. You see, if you go back to chapter number 6, we know that there's a bad famine in the land. According to verse number 25, the Bible says, And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cap of a dove's dung for five pieces of silver. If you read on just a little bit further, you read where some mothers were boiling their own children because of the famine that was so sore. And can I tell you when God brought a famine in Bible days, it was for the reason that he was bringing judgment upon the people of God. And I want to tell you, friend, listen, famines will cause people to get in desperate situations and when people find themselves in a desperate situation, oftentimes they'll do desperate things that they would not ordinarily do. And that's what happens in chapter number six. Well, when you get to chapter number seven here, Elijah steps on the scene in verse number one. And Elijah, in verse number one, he predicts that there's going to be food in the midst of this famine. If you look at verse number one, Elijah tells them about the period and the price and the place of this food as he says tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria and so Elisha predicts in this famine that God is going to send food and if you look at verse number two the Bible talks about one of the masters of the house the Lord whose hand whose hand the king leaned, learned, or leaned answered the man of God and he said 
behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. We find that one doubted the prophecy of the man of God. And Elisha looked at that master and he said, listen, he said, you're going to see it, but you're not going to partake of it. I'm going to tell you, listen, unbelief will keep you on the outside of some things. You know that? Unbelief will cause you to miss out. In other words, if you're not going to believe the word, you're not going to receive the benefit. Amen? I'm telling you, friend, unbelief is a decision. It's not doubt, but it's choosing not to have faith. And I'll tell you, if you won't trust the word of God, and if you won't trust the preaching of the man of God when he's preaching what thus saith the Lord, you will not receive the blessings of the word of God. Amen? And so when we get to verse number three, we notice these four leprous men here. And I want you to notice these men tonight because these men, I think, are the, the center of this story of what's taking place. Uh, there's a famine. Uh, uh, there is, uh, uh, listen, there's going to be food uh, in this text here, but God is going to use four men uh, that has absolutely nothing to lose uh, to help others, amen? I'm preaching on that thought tonight. Oh, we've got nothing to lose, amen? I'm telling you as a child of God tonight, we got nothing to lose, amen? If you're a sinner tonight, uh, uh, you ought to put your trust in Jesus Christ uh, uh, because you got nothing to lose. Uh, you're already going to hell and you're going to die in your sins. Uh, you might as well trust Christ uh, uh, because you're hopeless and helpless without God tonight. We come to this text, four men. I think about them four men in Mark chapter number two uh, that carried that man and took him up on top of the rooftop and broke that roof up and lowered him down to Jesus. It was four men that brought that man to Jesus. I, I think about four men in the gospels, amen? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, those four men there. Uh, when you think about it, Matthew was a full Jew. Uh, Mark was part Jew and part Gentile. Luke was all Gentile. And when you get to the book of John, guess what? The gospels already went from full Jew unto full Gentile. And in the book of John, it's to the whole wide world. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, then the Acts church is on the scene. We can't preach all that tonight. But I'm just talking about four men. And I want you to notice these four men tonight because they've got absolutely nothing to lose. Amen. You know why you ought to serve God, young people? Because you've got nothing to lose. You know why you ought to tithe every Sunday? Because you got nothing to lose. You know why you ought to live clean for God and live separated from this world? Because you got nothing to lose if you do. I promise you that. You know why you ought to step out on faith and trust God when he puts something in your path? Because you got nothing to lose. I'm telling you tonight, I look back down through the years that I've been saved. You look back down through the years that you've been saved. You answer this question tonight. Has it ever led you the wrong way to trust God? Has it ever failed you to step out on nothing and believe him? Has has it paid to serve God? Has it paid to put God first? Has it paid to give God the best years of your life? Hey, I'm glad tonight I didn't go the way of a drunkard. Amen. I'm glad I didn't go the way of a dopehead tonight. I'm glad I didn't go out and live in a bunch of sinful pleasures in this world. And if you did, you're glad there's grace. Amen. Because the one thing that we all have in common tonight is that we've got nothing to lose if we trust him. Amen. 
I want you to notice some things and we'll be done. I see first of all the description of these men in verse number three down to verse number five. Notice their leprosy. The Bible said there was four leprous men at the entering end of the gate and they said one to another, why sit we here till we die? These men, the description of them is that they're leprous. Now what that means is is that they're without hope tonight. They were without a home. They were outside the gate and friend, they were without their health. It was deteriorating. Everything they had had been taken away from them. I'm telling you, before you met Jesus, you had nothing. Amen. I don't care if you had a million dollars in the bank. I'm telling you, have all the riches of this world and not know God means you have nothing tonight. Amen. And I see their leprous. I see their logic. They asked a very important question in verse number three that we ought to ask ourselves often. Why sit we here till we die? That ought to be preached in every Baptist church. You know that. Because there's a lot of them doing that tonight. They're sitting there and some of them's done sit there till they're dead. They're, they're not in the dying process, friend. They've been dead a long time ago. Every now and then I'll try to say something to shock the crowd a little bit. You know why? I just want to find out if some people still breathing, brother. I'm telling you, I just don't. You can't tell. I mean, they look mortified. They look like rigor mortis is set up in them. Some people, they're alive before church and they're alive after church, but they get real solemn and sour when church starts. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, friend, God is good. I'd rather be excited about him as anything I know. And these old boys said, hey, we're not the smartest men in the outfit but listen it don't make sense for us to just sit here until we die amen I'll see their logic I'll see their lives verse 4 they said if we say we'll enter into the city then the famine is in the city and we shall die there no place to go in there and if we sit here we're going to die this isn't a good place Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. You know what they're saying here? They're saying our life is nothing. It really doesn't matter at this point. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go inside the city, we're going to die there. So we might as well go out and just chance everything. We might as well go out and just step out. Our life is nothing. Listen, we're just a walking dead men sitting here. We're just going to step out by faith and see what happens. You know, I'm telling you, the Syrians could not help them. And they thought they were going to see the Syrians. But what they didn't know is that before they got there, God got there. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, one day I stepped out a sinner. I had absolutely nothing to lose. I had everything to gain. I'm telling you, I had nothing to offer God. I was going down to that altar on my way to hell. But thank God somebody got there before I did. And I didn't have to go to hell. I'm telling you, I'm going to heaven tonight. Amen. And I see their lives. And I see their leaving. In verse number five, they rose up. They put some feet on them prayers in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost parts of the camp of the Syria, behold, there was no man there. You know what? It wasn't good to just sit around and talk about what they needed to do. They had to get up and put some feet on their prayers. Now tonight, you don't need to do anything until God gives you the green light. Now I'm telling you, a good idea is not a good idea until it's put into action. Isn't that right? You know, there's people, they're full of good ideas. 
I mean, if you're in charge of anything, there's somebody going to come up. They got a better idea about what you're doing. Amen. They got a better way to do it. They just don't factor in the money. They don't factor in the time. You say, now, preacher, that's not true. Well, I mean, have you not ever, listen, have you not ever had somebody tell you how to do something when you would think to yourself, well, if I had the money, I'd already done that. Or if I had the means, I'd already done that. I mean, there's a lot of good ideas out there, but they're not worth anything until they're put into action. I'm telling you, there are some people, they seem like they've got the answers to everything. The only problem is they don't do anything. You know what I'm talking about? They'll sit around and they've all they've got to answer to everybody's problems. They know how to raise children. They know how to pastor a church. They know how to lead a choir. They know how to teach a Sunday school class. They know how to make a million dollars. Only problem is they're not doing any of it. Amen. I mean, I've always been amazed. You'll take somebody working next to somebody at work and they'll take marriage advice from somebody that's been married three times. Because it's their best friend. I mean, you need to take a look in the mirror, friend. Amen. You need a checkup from the neck up. If you uh, will take advice from somebody, a friend that, uh, listen, has has been married two or three times, uh, but you know that's just the way it is. Uh, But these old boys, uh, uh, their idea may not have made sense to a lot of people, but it made sense to them and where they was at, and they put some legs on their prayers uh, or on their thoughts, uh, and they went forward. Hey, uh, sometimes, you know what we gotta do? We gotta put them ideas in motion, amen. That's right. Hey, young people, don't sit, and, don't sit on the front porch and say, boy, that grass would look good if it was cut. <laughs> boy, I tell you, if, I, if, it was, if it was edged out, that flower bed would really look, no, you gotta, you, gotta put, you gotta put some legs on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Dishes don't wash themselves. Somebody say amen. Laundry don't fold itself. I don't know where that's in there somewhere. You'll need a commentary to find it, but it's in there somewhere. Say amen. I'm just telling you tonight, uh, uh, listen, it takes more than a good idea uh, to get the job done. It takes more than just sitting around talking about it to get the job done. I mean, you've got to be willing to go forward. Amen. And these old boys, the reason they was willing to go forward is because they didn't have anything to go back to. Do you know that's where you got to get in the work of God, if you're really going to serve Jesus, you've got to get to the place where you've got nothing to go back to. You've got nothing to lose. Tonight, I don't want to go back to the world because the world never did anything for me. I burn every bridge from the past. Haven't you tonight? I see the description of these men and then I see the discovery of these men. Notice in verse number 6, Look what all they find. They get there. Verse 6 describes why the Syrians left. Because the Lord made the hosts of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. I'm telling you, God let them hear some things. Uh, uh, listen, that scared them and put them on the run. And in verse number seven, look what the Bible says. Uh, Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and they left their tents and their horses and their asses and even the camp as it was and they fled for their life. I mean, 
mean, God cleaned the camp out for them old boys because they was willing to go forward. You know what the God will do? If you'll step out on faith and trust God, you know what God will do? He'll put the enemy on the run, amen? I mean, they was no match for the Syrians and you and I are no match for the devil tonight. We're no match for the world or the flesh tonight. But if we'll trust God and believe God and if, listen, we'll just so wholeheartedly serve God, I'll tell you what God will do. He'll push hell out of the way. He'll push the world out of the way. God will make a way if you'll trust him tonight because you got nothing to lose. We get to verse number eight. I love this verse. These lepers came to the uttermost part, the inner part of the camp, and they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and they went and hid it. I mean, here these old boys are, and I want you to notice this. They find... Uh, they find here all these things. And think about what they found. They found silver. They found gold. But they found food. And I think at this moment in this time, the food was greater than the silver and the gold. And they find all of this. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Do you realize that what they found, they found it in an unlikely time. They found it all in the midst of a famine. I'm telling you, God gave me this about this verse and I about shouted. I hope you will, amen. They found it in an unlikely time. You know when God lets you find some things, it'll be in an unlikely time, amen. You know when God will give you something fresh manna, when God will give you food that'll mean something, it'll be in a time when you wasn't looking for it. It'll be in a time when you were hungry for it. It'll be in an unlikely time. I'm telling you, there have been some times I went to the house of God and I thought I was going through a famine. I thought I was about to start to death. I was hungry just to hear something from God. I'm telling you little did I know. God let me spread a table and God gave me what I needed in an unlikely time. I'm telling you listen the description is in the discovery is they found food in an unlikely time. Amen. Hey they found it in an unlikely place. They found you know where they found it? On enemy territory is where they found they didn't find it in a place that they thought they could come up with it. I mean, if they had found, if somebody would have came out of the city and gave it to them, it would have been the charity of man. If they would have found it out there on the creek bank somewhere in the leopard colony, it would have been the work of the hands of man. But when they walked in the Syrian army and it was vacated and they wasn't a soldier in sight and everything was as it was and they found more food than they could eat and they found silver and they found gold and they got more than and they bargained for. They knew that it was nothing more than the hand of God. I'm telling you, God will let you find some things in some unlikely places. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he knows how to pay your bills. I found some money the other day in an unlikely place. You say, where was it? In my pocket. <laughs> you ever done that? I put on a pair of pants and reached my hand in there and I felt something. I thought it was a piece of paper and I pulled it out. And you know what it was? It was a $100 bill. Now, I don't have them no words else, okay? <laughs> but I did stick my hand in my other pocket to see if there's anything in there. 
I thought, a hundred dollars. I didn't tell her about it till just now, but I've already spent it, amen. But I pulled that out, and I'm telling you, I said, where did that come from? I thought, who do I owe that to? That's the first thing that ran through my mind. That can't belong to me. I'm telling you, but I prayed about it all day, and nothing came to mind, so I spent it, amen. I mean, I timed off of it, don't get me wrong, but I spent the full $90, amen. I'm just telling you, friend, God lets you find some things in unlikely places. Hey, I don't tell you, they've been some times I went to church. I mean, some little old church somewhere is on the side of the hill, and I thought God isn't going to be here, just a handful of people. I'm telling you, God sat down in the midst of that place, and the Holy Ghost, to get real, ain't been some times on the Wednesday night here. I came to church like tonight, not knowing if I'd even preach. I'm telling you, God would sit down in this place, and it'd get real good, and you'd find some food in an unlikely place. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all the easiest crowd to preach to. You know that? But sometimes, I mean, it's, it can get a little tough around here, you know? I'm just being honest with you. I mean, as a few weeks ago during spring break, I thought y'all was on spring break. Y'all remember that? I had this sermon. I thought it was going to go good, and it went phew, like that. I threw it in the trash. I'm going to be honest with you, but laddie, I'll never preach it again unless God tells me. But sometimes you'll find food. They found it in an unlikely place. Hey, they found it in an unlikely amount. I mean, they found way more than they could ever consume. More than they could ever, they could ever imagine. In a famine, more than they could ever, they could ever put in their arms. Isn't that our God tonight? The Bible says that He'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I'm telling you, God, He don't just get you by. He don't just give you enough to get you over the next hilltop. He don't just give you a morsel here and a morsel there. Look around in your life as Brother Danny sings that song. He drops handfuls of purpose, plotted efforts of grace. One by one, more than you and I can contain. God's been good to us, and we owe Him the glory for it, don't we? Unlikely amount. And then I would say this they found it in an unlikely fashion. It had been abandoned. I mean, who abandons silver, gold, horses, donkeys, tents, food? I'm going to tell you tonight, there's nothing too hard for God. He can do anything in your life and mine tonight. Anything that you need, anything that I have need of tonight, He already knows it, and He's put tomorrow in the oven, the Bible says. It's the prepared. The psalmist said He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I want to tell you tonight, what God did for them was supernatural, wasn't it? And God will do the supernatural. I see the discovery. I see the, the description here of these men. But I'll close with this thought tonight. I want you to see the duty of these men in verse 9 down to verse 11. They felt an obligation in verse number 9. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. They knew for them to hold their peace would not be right. God had been too good to them. God had given them more than they could ever contain. God had blessed them beyond what they ever expected. 
They were expecting to fall in the hands of an enemy. Instead, they found in the they fell in the hands of a gracious God. They were expecting to fall in the hands of someone that might even take their life, but they fell in the hands of one that gave them abundant life. I mean, these old boys were dying. But I'm gonna tell you something. They're as rich as a king. They have more right now than they ever would have just because they stepped out on faith. I'm telling you, I'm dying and you're dying. This old flesh is dying. I tell you, I'm as rich as a king tonight. The God's given me more. I should have fell in the hands of the enemy. I want to say I'm glad I fell in the hands of a gracious God. You fell in the hands of a gracious God and he takes care of us and he watches over us and he feeds us and he leads us and he protects us. He's good to us tonight, isn't he? He's good to us. He's been good to me all day today in two ways. I got behind every person I'm telling you from Mount Airy, North Carolina that could not drive all the way to Chickamauga, Georgia. Brother, I'm and you know why he was good to me? Because I only got mad twice, I think. I hate cruise control, don't you? I mean, all these people, can I just say this and get down my system and then we'll move on? They get in the hammer lane and they set the cruise, you know, and they got 957 cars backed up behind them. And they could go a little faster if they quit looking in their mirror at all of us, amen. And we're just sitting there. And I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't say much to my wife. I could say nothing, but that wouldn't be true. And I said, well, we need to pray for this person up here because they got all the time in the world just to ride. I mean, that's what two-lane roads are for is to just go look at the leaves, amen. But you don't need to do that on the interstate because people on the interstate's got some place to go. You know that? And if you're mad, it's because you're probably one of those people, amen. But I'm just telling you tonight, I was coming down through there. I said, Lord, I'm not going to get mad because you've been too good to me, but help me, amen. But you know what? He helped me keep my attitude in check. And listen, he, he helped every one of them slow pokes get in my lane and keep me safe so I couldn't run fast enough to get hurt, amen. But you know what? Listen, I don't know why that's in there somewhere too, you know. But I'm telling you, God does things in our life that we don't always understand, but it's for our good and it's for his glory, hallelujah. I got nothing to complain about. Their obligation. He's been so good to us. We ought to be telling others about his goodness. Their opportunity, they said here, if we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us and now therefore come. And he said, let us go and tell the king's household. Let's go tell others what we've experienced and what we've enjoyed. Hey, you know, that's what we need to do. The king's been good to us. And we need to go tell others what God's done for us. And I see their obedience in verse 10. So they came and called into the porter of the house and they told them saying, we came to the camp of the Syrians and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied in the tents as they were. And then we see the outcome. You can read the rest of it when you go home tonight. But they go in, they tell the king's household and they tell the city. And I'm telling you, all the city it is fed and taken care of in a time of famine. You know why? Because four men, just like Matthew, Mark, 
Mark, Luke, and John. Four men, uh, just like those four that carried that man up on that housetop and put him down in that and let him see Jesus. Four men decided that they wasn't going to keep all this goodness to themselves. It all started out. They didn't have anything. But sitting around one day, I said, you know what? We're just dying. We've got nothing to lose. Let's just step out and trust my faith. You remember that day when you was dying and you had nothing to lose and you came down an old-fashioned altar and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you trusted him. And guess what? He gave you more than what you bargained for. I mean, the coffers are full spiritually tonight. I got more joy than I know what to do with. I've got more peace than I'll ever understand. I'm telling you, I've got more, listen, love than I could ever comprehend. I've got more kindness that he's been kind to me than I could ever tell you about. I'm talking about God has been good to us tonight. Hallelujah. As they get us a song ready, hey, we got nothing to lose. Hey, hear me tonight, young person. You got nothing to lose. You give God the best years of your life because you got nothing to lose if you do that. I'll never forget this. Two old boys I went to school with, probably told it here. I've told it other places, I know. Two old boys I went to school with, when I got called to preach, I told one of them that I got called to preach. He said, man, you're, you're going to miss out on, on football and high school football. You're going to miss out on the prom. You're going to miss out on baseball season. Well, he's talking about all those things. He said, you're going to miss out on all these things. I said, but I, I don't want to do them things no more. If I started preaching in the jail at 16, 15, and about a year later when I was 16, I went up that old two-story jail there in Chatsworth right by the courthouse where it was at. And I went up them, went up them steps that night and, and walked past the what they called the drunk tank, and then there was a, you turned the corner, there was a, a four-man cell and a, another four-man cell and a runaround cell and a bullpen on the other side. When I walked past that first four-man cell, there in that cell sat both my buddies, both of them. And I, God let me preach to them that night. They didn't get saved. But I'm going to tell you, I had a hard time preaching that sermon that night because the only thing running through my mind was, God, had you not saved me, had you not called me to preach, had you not just, I'm telling you, listen, I would have, I, I didn't have enough sense to do right. And young people, you hear me. I'm not, I'm not making fun. I'm telling you as a young person, you don't have enough sense. I didn't have enough sense because I didn't. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? I didn't realize how important every single decision that I was making was going to affect my life. I just hadn't lived long enough. Now, these older people can tell you all about it. And at my age now, I can tell you some about it. But at 15, I hadn't lived life long enough. I, I just One day I went to the swimming pool, a public swimming pool. Went there every day in the summertime. Paid a dollar, went in, and when my feet hit the, hit the pool, the Holy Ghost, and I didn't even know it was the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost said, you don't belong here no more. You don't belong here. I didn't even know that was God. I just know I swam to the other side of that pool, Brother Mike. I got out of it. 
I put my shirt on and I got my towel and I walked home. And I didn't know that was God for a long time. Looking back, I know now that was the Holy Spirit telling me that. And I wondered what would happen in my life if I'd have just ignored it. I don't know what would happen. I looked in that cell that night and there sat both of them. And I said, God, I'm no better than neither one of them. They're my friends. And had it not been for the Lord, that's where I'd have been at. You don't know. It'll take eternity for God to pull the curtain back and show all of us. One of them boys hung himself a few years ago. Went to hell. I'm telling you, you don't never know. You'll never know till we get to heaven one day. I wonder if that's what Ephesians mean when it says he's, he'll show us the exceeding riches of his grace. He's delivered us far more than we ever could imagine. Even after we got saved. I wonder what he kept us from today. Hey, I joked about it. It wasn't a joking matter when I was dri- driving. And I joked about it a little bit tonight, but in all seriousness, I wonder. I wonder what God might have kept us from today by just putting somebody in our path to make it a little bit later getting in. You just never know, do you? You never know. He's good to us, isn't he?